The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 31st, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. To Women's Spaces, my name is Elaine B. Holtz and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my partner, my engineer, my co-producer, Ken Norton. Hello, Ken. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful day here in Sonoma County. Oh, God, we've survived fires again and all kinds of things going on in this universe. You know, joining me, I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be doing something a little bit different and really stretching myself a little bit by having this conversation. I will be talking on the phone this morning with Dr. Harriet Fraud. Dr. Fraud is a well-published author and writes about the pressures on families and economics of the United States of America. She's also a regular guest of Dr. Richard Wolf and his show Economic Update, which uh, is on KBBF 89.1 FM every Tuesday from 11 to 12 uh, p.m. And also, um, I have uh, I've had Dr. Freud on several times, and I think it's, we're going to have a very, very important conversation. For this show, you know, we've been celebrating all month. I mean, I can't believe it's August 31st already. Come on. Where did the time go? Also, my great-granddaughter Satori on September 6th is going to be uh, two years old. It just flies like crazy. But for this show, we'll be talking about um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a Democrat. She's the congresswoman who's a Democrat from New York. I believe she uh, covers the Bronx, who took to the House floor on Thursday morning, July 22nd, 2020, to deliver a candid rebuck of sexism in Congress and beyond in response to a comment from uh, Representative Ted Yoho, a Republican from Florida, who had reportedly called her a vulgar insult. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing a four-minute clip of her presentation. Oh, the whole thing is nine minutes long, but I've, I've got a shorter version that has just pointed out the highlights of the speech. And Dr. Uh, Fraud and I are going to be talking about the impacts of women on what happened to her and what is going on today, 2020, 100 years since we struggled and fought to win the vote. And yet still we have to put up with some of these remarks from our male population. I mean, when what, what's so interesting about this month to me more than anything is the historical perspective that we have been presented. And what I noticed more than anything is the struggle that women went through the abuse they went through, the beatings they had. They were jailed. They were waterboarded. They were force-fed. I mean, I don't know if you saw Iron Jawed Angels, but at one point the, the uh, law enforcement took their hands and put them straight up, and they had to hang, hang there for hours. And what were they asking for? They were asking for the vote. I mean, I can't help but go into today's history. You know, I was listening to Amy Goodman, who's on before us, and I was listening to the interview. And suddenly when I was thinking about this young man who was just shot seven seven bullets in his back, 
you know, and they shackled him in the hospital while he's laying there paralyzed from this abuse. The man committed no crime. Besides, he was shot in front of his children. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, and some, and I, suddenly I realized, you know, I think about our own community here in Sonoma County. In October of 2013, a young boy of 13 years old was shot with seven bullets. And while he lay dead, he was handcuffed. I mean, I could not ever in my wildest dream understand why a law enforcement would handcuff a young boy of 13 that's already dead. I mean, please. It's just, it's just stunning to me. And as I was listening to, to uh, Amy Goodman, I began to think about racism. You know, racism is a denial. It's a separation and it's a denial. It's a denial that we are all human beings on this planet. We share a planet. You know, Ken and I, we are gardeners. And every year at this time of the year, we have an array of flowers. I mean, it's amazing. It's so wonderful to have a, a male counterpartner here that loves flowers the way Ken does. He even brought some flowers to the studio today to celebrate that we are able to come here every week. God's garden has many colors. Flowers, we've got pink flowers, orange flowers, red flowers, blue flowers. I mean, purple flowers. I mean, we've got green flowers. I mean, we've got all kinds of colors in our garden. And that's the way it is with human beings. We come in all colors. I mean, I even look at my skin. They call me white. And I, I see pink and a little, little bit of brown in here. I mean, uh, some of my African-American friends are very light-skinned to dark-skinned. You know, some of my Jewish friends look like they're African-American. I mean, it, we are all God's children living living on a planet and this whole thing of division by this word called racism you know and we have to look at what happened to people of different colors because of their color how they were abused i mean imagine if you had to spend most of your life in slavery or you had your children taken away from you i mean there's a lot that we have to apologize for that we have to acknowledge and we also have to acknowledge i will say it again that racism is a denial that we are all children of this earth in fact who was the first mother i mean we all had to come from the first mother i mean when you start thinking about it so there's a lot to think about and i would like us to think about this this racism is tearing us apart and then this idea of white supremacy I mean, come on, guys. You need Medicare. You need a good schooling for your children. You need peace. We've got to come together. Your gun is not going to find you peace. Your gun is going to find you frustration and more hatred and more fear. So that's a lot to think about. And it really came very clear to me the struggle that women have gone through to win the vote and you know there was a lot of backs and forth. I mean, the, the 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 saddest part about it is is that many many African American women were the foundation for the suffrage movement, and yet they were not allowed to vote. It was not until 1965 with the Civil Rights Act that African American women finally got the right to vote. I mean, that is a shame on the women's movement. But here we are in 2020. We can look at it. We can say, okay, okay. You know, I was listening to a program. I want to do a shout-out to Bernice Espinosa and Leslie uh, Leslie Graves and their team for coordinating the Sonoma County 2020 Women's Suffrage Project. 
they had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful events. You know, I encourage you, go to their website. That's the Sonoma County 2020 Women's Suffrage Project. And go to their events page, and you will see all the programs. And there's one program that I want to really call your attention to. And this was the program on intersectionality. It was so interesting to me. It's about six women. They were all talking about their different sexual orientations, their different ideas about feminism. And suddenly I realized, I says, wow. You know, and the facilitator said, you know, when I first heard about the women's suffrage movement, I thought to myself, oh, all right, a bunch of white women are celebrating 100 years. Why do I want to be involved? Well, she said, I'm so happy that I got involved. And I interpreted that because all of a sudden she saw history. She saw how women of color were violated. And she says, we have to do something. And we have been doing something. We have been trying to come together. Even the National Organization for Women has come out very big on intersectionalism, that we must accept each other on all levels whether it's sexual orientation, color, the skin, education, you name it. That's what intersectional is, is that you are a human being that is made up of many parts. You know, and we need each other. I mean, here during the pandemic, I'm sure you realize how important your neighbor is, how important the grocery store clerk is, how important your hairdresser is. And these are all human beings. And it's interesting when you look at your hairdresser, the different cultures that they're all part of. You know, that's what we are. And as women, I don't care what color you are, you have been endowed by, endowed by the creator with the potential of bringing life into this world. So we have to come together, particularly as women, and stand up. I mean, this young man, his, he will never be the same. He's going to be paralyzed. Was seven bullets shot through his body while his three young children are watching? Can you imagine the trauma? It's just very sad. It very is very, very sad. Well, that's enough for my rant. As you can see, as I was listening to her, I got a little bit emotional because this is very close to me. You know, I became a great-grandmother. You know, that's the third generation because of me. And I feel it's very important as women, especially those of us who bring forward children of generation generation, we have to stand up for all the children on this earth. Not one child should go to bed hungry because I got news for you folks. If one child can go to bed hungry, one day your child might go to bed hungry. Ask some of the homeless people that are living in their cars with children what a shock it is to them that all of a sudden that they can't afford to have a decent home to live in. I mean, there's a lot going on that we have to we have to push our compassion button, our empathy button, and we have to recognize that we are all in this together. I mean, look what happened in Louisiana. I mean, just just nature just came in and said, "Boop, you're gone." All these homes, all this destruction. You know, we're all suffering, and in our suffering, maybe we can join hands and say, "Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me." Well, that's enough. Okay, okay, Elaine. Okay, again, I, like I said, I want to do a shout out to Bernice Espinosa and Leslie Graves, and go to their website. It's uh, Sonoma County 2020 Women's Suffrage Project, and just go to their events. Uh, page and you can see all the events that happen and also a special shout out to my dear friend paula Freund and 
Catherine Reinhardt in Petaluma. They had on on Zoom, it was wonderful, and on Facebook they had a, a presentation, a kickoff. They had uh, different uh, different uh, Congress people were talking, and what was so exciting to me is that they honored two of my favorite women, and that's. Uh, Congresswoman Lynn Woolsey, who I had the honor of walking for when she first ran for office. I remember when she won and we thought, oh my God, we've got, we've got someone like that in Sonoma County in Congress. It was just an amazing day. And also Helen Putnam, who was the first female mayor in Petaluma, California. Helen was just a bright light and she had all these wonderful bracelets when you walked in. I mean, she just sparkled to me. And boy, she knew how to get things done and she knew how to get attention. So I want to do a shout out and also to the Petaluma Museum. I want to thank them personally. They, they did a wonderful thing. I can't wait till it opens up. They did a wonderful display of the Sonoma County uh, suffrage calendar that was uh, produced by the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County chapter. It was just, it was just, it was just great. So thank all of you for your effort. I mean, here we were in the middle of a pandemic. We've got riots going on. We've got protests going on. We've got fires going on. We've got this election. We had uh, <laughs> conventions. Oh, my God, those conventions were something else. And here we are in Sonoma County. We celebrated the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment when women won the vote, the right to vote. What an exciting, exciting day. Well, you know, I always say this over and over. Our history is our is our strength. And I want to say uh, one of the most important things that happened of late is uh, we're celebrating in 1963, and they had another march this Sunday on August uh, 28, 1963. More than 250,000 people gathered for a march on Washington, D.C. and listened to Martin Luther King's famous I Have a Dream speech. And they did it again this year. And it was what a powerful group of people that came together. And the thing that was so stunning is they continuously talked about all of us being in this together. You know, there's an old saying, united we stand, divided we fall. Well, we have to ask ourselves that question. Do we want to fall or do we want to stand? I personally want to stand, okay? And then I want to say happy birthday, I want to say happy birthday to somebody who has passed away. You know, we are a bilingual station here, and I think it's very important that we look at our Latinx people, especially women who made such impacts. Well, on August, this woman was born August 30th, 1907, and she made her transition in 1992. Luisa Moreno. She was a labor leader and Mexican-American civil rights activist. She uh, she migrated from uh, Guatemala, helped organize El Congress del Pueblo de Habla Española, Spanish-speaking People's Congress in 1938. She worked for the United Cannery, Agricultural Packing, and Allied Workers of America. She had an impact. She stood up for her people. She stood up for women. And she accomplished things. And she needs to be acknowledged. So happy birthday to Luisa Moreno, labor leader and Mexican-American civil rights activist. Amazing. Amazing what these women can accomplish in spite, in spite of the resistance against them. 
And that's what we have to do. We have to stand up. We have to stand up for democracy. We have to stand up for the future of our children. We have to stand up because that's what you do when you see injustices. You know, like John Lewis said, you know, good trouble. Let's make some good trouble. Not bad trouble where you're throwing in a militia. You've got to stop that. We are a democracy. We have a right to assemble. So pretty interesting. Well, today's the last day of the month, August 31st, 2020. Boy, oh boy. Like I said, it sure went fast. But you know, life is going fast because there's so much going on. There's so much, there's so much to, there's so much to fill your head with. And one of the things I noticed this morning as I got up and, you know, I start thinking about the show and I start thinking about whatever I'm thinking about that, you know, that lets me know I'm not the perfect person that I'm supposed to be. And I realize that I have control over my thoughts. I have control over my actions. You know, it was really interesting in logotherapy. Uh, Victor Frankel said one thing. It was during the uh, during the uh, time he spent in concentration camps during the Holocaust in uh, Nazi Germany. And one of the things he said: They can do anything they want. They can try to control you, but they cannot control your mind. They cannot control your thinking. And that's what got him through. He got, he had a positive thought every day, no matter what happened. And also was so interesting what he would do is share a little piece of bread with some of the inmates. And that felt, gave him a feeling of purpose, a sense of purpose. But he made up his mind. He made up his mind that what was happening to him would not be devastate him, that he could still be a good human being. And he knew one day it would pass because evil even though it destroys and does a lot of horrible things, it cannot survive. I mean, I believe that's why we have nuclear bombs because evil cannot supply, you know, cannot survive. So you have to find this horrible weapon to try to control it or try to control the people so you can be as evil as possible. So there's a lot to think about, folks. And hopefully our little pledge really helps you think a lot better about yourself. So if you'll join me, Ken. If I, I'm going to say the pledge, I would, you would repeat after me. I mean, it's so strange. We know usually I have a guest the last month, the last day in the month, but this we're doing. We've been. I'm, I, I got. I have to do a shout out for our station. I really do. I mean, thank you so much for you know uh, Alicia Sanchez, who's our presence. She just works so hard, and Edgar Avilia always, you know, always here. Our program manager and always trying to be fair and make sure the station is running. And I just want to do a shout out. I have such a deep, deep, deep appreciation for them. And, you know, most public radios, just like our station, you know, we are all volunteers. And our volunteer, in fact, I pay a dues. You know, I want my station to stay on, so I pay a little. I contribute myself for the honor of being able to be on the air and to be able to do this pledge and to be able to say some of the things and do some of the things we do. So here we go with the pledge. This is called the Women's Spaces Pledge. And I'm going to say one line, and then if you're out there listening, repeat after me, and then we will say it together, and then we're going to go for a fun musical break. And here's the pledge. Let's go with the first line. My self-esteem... My self-esteem does not depend does not depend on anything on anything outside of me outside of me. My self-esteem my self-esteem depends depends on my relationship on my relationship with myself with myself and my higher power and my higher power. Oh, that just makes me feel so good. 
Now we're going to say it together. Let's say it with passion, with feeling. Because when you have your self-esteem intact, I don't care what anybody says to you or about you. I mean, we're going to be listening to a wonderful speech by a young woman who shows you what it's like to stand up, speak truth to power, that has that kind of self-esteem, that that assurance that she knows that she deserves to be here. She deserves to have a good life. She deserves to be respected. And she has the right to stand up for herself and other women. So I'm gonna let's let's say this together, Ken. Let's go. One, two, three. My, My self esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. I love that. My self esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Terry Cole Whitaker said it beautifully. What you think of me is none of my business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, let them think whatever they want. Just be yourself. It's, you know, there should be one rule. As long as you do no harm. As long as you don't kill anybody or beat anybody or steal from somebody or do, you know, as long as you don't break any of those Ten Commandments we were given. That's all it takes. You know, there was a teacher called Jesus says, hey, you don't need all those commandments. Just love your neighbor as yourself. Put God first, and God is nature. God is the universe. We live in the middle of this mysterious universe. It's not some white guy sitting there on a, on a stool saying, hey, bless you, bless you. No, it's a force. It's, it's the universe taking care of us. And in order to appreciate it, we have to know who we are. We have to know that we are human beings living on an earth that creates so many challenges for us, just with the weather, with disease, with, you know, famines, all the things that go on. And stupid human beings, they have to add war to the occasion. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Well, we're going to take a musical break here. And the song I'm going to play is Shed a Little Not Light, sung by Diana Jerkoff. And I want to dedicate this song to all those brave people who gathered on August 28th, 1963, and also who gathered this year, August 28, 2020, to the March on Washington 2020. Hundreds of thousands gathered for a protest on Friday, aiming to recall the March on Washington and the Dr. Reverend Luther, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech that took place 57 years ago and we are still struggling in fact they're trying to they're making voting is becoming like it's more chaotic than ever you know you folks out there that say my vote doesn't count well let me ask you a question if your vote doesn't count why are they working so hard to make sure you don't vote i mean come on start thinking you got a brain up there start thinking about it Anyway, let's go ahead, and when we return, I will be talking with Dr. Harriet Fraud, who's a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist practice in New York. She's also a regular guest on, uh, guest on Richard Wolf's song, uh, program, Economic Update. And we will, talking, we will be talking about the speech that was made on, this, on the Congress floor by, let me make sure I get her name pronounced right, Alexandria Orcasio. Cortez, they call her AOC. So let's go ahead and listen to Shine a Little Light. Oh, let us turn the thoughts today to Martin Luther King and recognizing there are ties between us. Oh. 
heaven Living on the earth Ties of hope and love Sister and brotherhood And we are bound together In our desire to see the world become A place in which our children can grow free and strong And we are bound together And not a task that stands before us And the road lies ahead We are bound and we are bound There is a feeling like the clenching of a fist There is a hunger in the center of the chest There is a passage through the darkness and the mist The body sleeps, the heart will never rest. Shine a little light, oh, shine a little light, oh Lord, so that we can see for now. Just a little light, oh Lord, shine a little light, oh Lord. Wanna stand it all up, stand it all up, stand it all up, oh Lord. Yeah now, wanna walk it on down, shine a little light. Oh my goodness, yes, Dr. King, boy, I remember when he, when that horrible day when he was shot, what a loss to our world, what a loss, but it lives on, it does not die, you can kill the person, but you cannot kill the idea. Well, for you just joining, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. Without further ado, I want to introduce my guest joining me on the phone, and it is an honor to introduce her. I like to think of her as one of the regulars of Women's Spaces, Dr. Harriet Fraud. Welcome, Harriet. Welcome once again to Women's Spaces. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to hear your voice. You know, before we begin, I just want to tell folks just a little bit about you. Is that okay? 
Yes. Dr. Harriet Fraud is a mental health counselor and hypnotherapist in private practice in New York City and also a dear friend. She speaks regularly and writes about the interesting, the uh, intersecting crisis in United States relationships, personal life, politics, and economics. She was a founding member of the second wave of the women's movement and has remained an activist for her entire life. She appears regularly on the radio for Economic Update, the Julianne Falano Morning Show, M.K. Mendoza, and Women's Spaces. Her very latest written work appears in Knowledge Class in Economics, Marxism Without Guarantees, and today we're going to be talking about the July 22nd presentation of AOC, a representative from the good state of New York. Harriet, is there anything you'd like to add, my friend, anything new or anything? Well, I'm now 8 o'clock every Monday night on the David Feldon Show on WBAI. Oh, congratulations. That's wonderful. And also that I'm just very glad to be here and talking about that interaction between Yoho, typical Republican chauvinist, and AOC, who stands for women, who stands for justice for everyone, and who stands out in our Congress as one of the women who speaks her mind for the mass of the American people who are not doing well. Yeah, she's an amazing woman, and she really deserves a lot, a lot even more attention than she gets. So before we begin, before we begin, a little bit in about five minutes, we're going to be playing a four-minute clip so you can hear, and we will talk about the presentation. But, you know, Harriet, here we are, happy anniversary. A hundred years ago, women won the vote with the idea that if women could vote, there might be an end to war and poverty. Where do you think women are today, particularly in the light, you know, what, what was so stunning to me when I was watching the um, uh, Republican National Convention, there was a woman by the name of Abby Johnson, who is an American anti-abortion activist. She spoke at the convention on August 25th about her opposition to abortion rights at the RNC. But what was so interesting, she says she supports head of household voting. And just a few months ago, she tweeted that in a godly household, the husband should get the final say on anything. What are your thoughts about that? Well, when she says head of household, she's not talking about the 42% of women who are the head of their households and are single mothers. She's talking about male heads of household, that she thinks men should make the decision on everyone's lives, men and women. And if we look at those leaders that have been the most outstanding in the coronavirus, none of them are authoritarian, and, most, and many of them, 12 of them, are, win, are women. And so that what she's talking about is asserting men's dominance as salutary, as wonderful, while our chauvinist leader can't even get us through the crisis that every other developed country is doing better than us. You know, he, Trump touted that, ha, huh, New Zealand supposed to be so successful they had a resurgence they had one case and they closed down new zealand the surge is nine cases and they closed it down again we have a thousand new cases every day and almost two hundred thousand dead they have one death 
what are we talking about? We're talking about a failure to keep us safe, to test, to track, and to treat, and to keep America safe, the most basic life and death thing. And so that I think that her assertion that male leadership is superior is just holding on to a reactionary, backward, male supremacist rhetoric that the voting was supposed to stop. You know, and the leaders, Susan B. Anthony and the others, decided to focus on the vote as a way of improving life for everyone and asserting women's equality. Obviously, it was a step, but not the step. And if we look at what's going on, either at Fox News, where there's a whole new assertion of the um, head of Fox News, even though she's a woman, ignoring violent rape reports on the part that Henry, who was a featured performer and host there, we know that just because you have a woman at the helm like Abby Johnson or the head CEO or someone like Margaret Thatcher, you don't necessarily have someone who stands for the mass of women and other people. But AOC stands for us. Well, that's the beauty. You know, that is the beauty of these young women that are coming forward. You know, one of the things that uh, what I discovered through a lot of the celebrations that they're giving around the 100th anniversary is the struggle of African-American women. And one woman made a, a remark. She said at first she thought, you know, why do I want to work? Why do I want to celebrate what a bunch of white women brought forward? But once you start learning the history and learning some of the problems, some of the cures that could happen, it was the recognition that if we didn't get the vote, if we didn't have that struggle, even though it was imperfect, we couldn't stand up today, because today we have the power of the vote, let me tell you, they're worried right, about the sure women. Do. We're in Congress. And right, we're in Congress, all the, all the things that happen, and it's women of color, so, so the thing is, is that women have evolved. Even though it's not perfect, it wasn't. It, it ne- it's never perfect. I mean, if we're going to look for perfection, <laughs> we're in big trouble. Anyway, Harriet, let's go ahead, and we're going to listen. I'm really so. It, when I got this idea and I approached you, I just want to let you know how how pleased I am that you were willing to come on and talk about this. Well, I'm excited. Too. So let's just. It's a four minute clip that you can listen to. We'll listen to it, and then when we come back. Um, we'll have a talk. So I just want to tell my, my listeners a little bit about this. Um, uh, AOC is that what they call her, who took the House floor on Thursday, July 22nd, 2020, to deliver a candid rebook of sexism in Congress and beyond in response to comments from uh, Rep, uh, Representative Ted Yoho, a Republican from Florida, who I understand who wasn't even going to run again, who had reportedly called her... Uh, uh, gave her a very vulgar insult. After we hear this, we will come back and begin a discussion of what impact her speech and what is happening to women that hear this Mr. Yoho had the had the audacity to say what he said to her. So let's go ahead, Ken, let's play that. This is a four minute clip and we'll be back with our discussion with Harriet Fraud. Walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's capital. I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and 
Representative Yoho put his finger in my face. He called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, and he called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps. And after I had recognized his, uh, after I had recognized his, his comments as rude, he walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote. Um, because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight for them. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol. And in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me, and I quote, a f***ing bitch. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman. The congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country. Because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. But then yesterday, Representative Yoho decided to come to the floor of the House of Representatives and make excuses for his behavior. And that I could not let go. I could not allow my nieces, I could not allow the little girls that I go home to, I could not allow victims of verbal abuse and worse to see that, to see that excuse, and to see our Congress accept it as legitimate and accept it as an apology. Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I am two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television. And I am here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. In using that language in front of the press, he gave permission to use that language against his wife, his daughters, women in his community. And I am here to stand up to say that is not acceptable. Having a daughter does not make a man decent. Having a wife does not make a decent man. Treating people with dignity and respect makes a decent man. And when a decent man messes up, as we all are bound to do, he tries his best and does apologize. Not to save face, not to win a vote, he apologizes genuinely to repair and acknowledge the harm done so that we can all move on. Oh, my God. That is one of the most powerful presentations that I've ever heard. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And you just listened to a uh, four-minute clip of uh, of Congresswoman Alexandria 
Corso uh, Cortez, who's a congresswoman in uh, represents a New York state. And I'm also in conversation with Dr. Harriet Fraud, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. So, Harriet, give me an idea. Wow, wasn't that something? What impact this had on women, particularly in light of the 100th anniversary? How far have we really come? And what do you believe is happening that something like this could happen? Well, I think there's things that are happening that show both. On the one hand, that this happens shows that the women's movement, although we won legislative gains, we won gains in economy. When the movement started in 1965, we got 59 cents on the male dollar. Now, if we work full-time, we get 80 one or 82 cents if we work part-time we get much less and if we're mothers we get about 44 percent of the male dollar full-time dollar but nonetheless we have made enormous progress legislatively and in other ways in terms of sexual object objectification we did not we did not progress and one of the reasons why is that the women's movement like the african-american civil rights movement was infiltrated by the fbi and the cia and operation Wurlitzer. and the point was to get women into the labor force because men were being immiserated by having their jobs sent overseas and computerized and robotized and mechanized and so there wasn't attention paid sufficiently to sexual objectification. Calling a woman by the name of a copulating animal is reducing women to just being animals who copulate. And it has not stopped the process why, by which men gain ascendancy by mentioning women's body parts by mentioning copulating women, by talking about women's bodies as a humiliation. Just pointing out that you are a woman is a vehicle to humiliate women for our sexuality as women. And that has persisted. However, thanks to the Me Too and the Time's Up movements, These things are not accepted anymore. They can be called out, and they are, and that is great progress that has happened fairly recently, long since the rise of the women's movement. So you think, so you think, let me just pause here a little bit, so you think that the fact that one of the things that shows that we have actually made some, a lot of progress is the fact that there she is speaking. Yes, and a congresswoman too. As a congresswoman, and against Crowley, who had been in for about 20 years, lived in Virginia, nowhere near the impoverished areas where she was elected from, and was, a, and was endorsed by Pelosi. He was endorsed by Hillary Clinton. But she won, this dynamic woman, won by having her young followers and she going door to door in Queens and the Bronx, that things are changing. And She is part of what they call the squad, the women of color, and people like Katie Porter, who speak out on a level that was previously unheard of. 
they expect after the elections to have a hundred progressive Congress men and women, particularly women. And so there have you know her voice is powerful. What? what? And she is a woman, a young woman, and a beautiful one. Oh, God! And a beautiful, stylish young woman beautiful. who refuses to be reduced to that. Trump said she's nothing but a pretty face about the Green New Deal. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she said, well, that's spoken by a man who thinks you get cancer from windmills, A. And B, the Green New Deal, I encourage everyone to read it. It was written with, and then she mentions about six scientists. But, you know, she doesn't stand for being put down because she's a woman. And this man is trying to humiliate her through her sexuality, and that persists and has to be fought. Well, when you when you listen when you listen to the speech, you know, and I, I think of you know I think of people like Susan Collins, you know, voting for Kavanaugh. So here we have. I mean, it, it just it's mind boggling. Yes. When you listen to her speech, what message? What do you think women should really hear? I mean, what what is important, and how do you believe that the population? The fifty-one percent population should support this young woman, and under, what do they need to understand about what she's saying? I think they understand that the time's up for humiliating women for our sexuality. That it can be that it is spoken by a congressperson. Of course, a Republican is already in outrage, but that it can be called out. And at first, he said, "I said nothing of the kind," but then he said it in front of reporters. So they said, yes, you did, and they have it on tape. So, you know, that was uh, embarrassing for him. But also that she, he says, I am, you know, when he apologized, I am a father of two girls. I am a husband. We know that one in three women is beat up by her husband or boyfriend, and that plenty of men abuse their daughters just because you're a father biologically, or your husband doesn't mean that you respect women. And so he's calling out these old designations as if they give him some kind of protection over women when they don't, because those things have been exposed by the women's movement. And battered women's shelters have been passed, although Trump closed a lot of them. You know, they still exist. And the awareness of rape and incest have come from the women's movement. And so people can't get away with this. And what she was calling out is really she was calling out most of the Republican convention. As you spoke about Abby Johnson, you know, she was saying, the party's over here. We're people. And you cannot rule and over us and humiliate us because we're women. That party is over. Wow. And I think every woman, Republican or Democrat or anything else, any woman who hears that, is moved to appreciate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There's no question. Well, it, it was it was really amazing to listen to her. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was bringing myself back to school when I went to high school. I took. Uh, we remember those days. We had to take civics, <laughs> yeah. learn about the Constitution. And I took a test, and I got 98%. And in the class, I had asked my teacher, I raised my hand, and I said it was during, you know, 1957. It was during McCarthy era. 
And I asked my teacher, I says, you know, if, if, we're, if communism is such a threat, we need to study it. So I, if I meet a communist, I'll know, you know, I'll know what to say or what to do. Well, before I turned around, they wanted to know why my, my, they said, oh, your father's a union man. And I had no idea what the implication of that was at the time. And then uh, made me take the test. And the second time, I, I made, they made 99%. And they made me take it a third time and changed all the things. And I t- made it a 100%. And they finally let it happen. But I remember, I remember that, and when I look back on it, I see how difficult it was as a young woman to raise your hand and ask a question like that, and your male teacher just making it, making it as if you're this evil character that shouldn't even shouldn't even raise her hand. That's right. So women usually shut up. You know, times have changed. They haven't changed enough in terms of sexual objectification, however, and one of the things that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez attests to by her position as a congresswoman is that women can and do get elected and they're powerful. You know, probably the most successful treating of the coronavirus was by Meta Fredrickson, who's about the young, one of the youngest prime ministers ever and is the prime minister of Denmark who prevented them from having any deaths. Women are standing up. The Prime Minister of Iceland, of Finland, also who did great, of Germany, of Singapore, of Taiwan, the heads of all these countries that are women have had incredibly good records and have had strength and compassion and have managed unite their countries around protecting one another and being safe so no one is claiming that they their sense of liberty is ignoring mask warnings any more than going through red lights because they're free you know that there isn't this sense they have a sense that we're in this together and those are female virtues and i think the world is waking up and the fact that our country has a terrible chauvinist as its president and that these people like um, Representative Yoho are reflecting his values Trump's values are on the outs now they had to apologize well, you know what you know what you know what I found interesting. You know what I found interesting about the Republican convention was when they had Melania Trump speak. I mean, you had all this hate and all this anger and all this fear, and here comes this woman with this softness and some empathy and compassion for what's happening. It was like, where did this come from? And I, what I said, I said, it's interesting. You know, I don't know if she, I don't know if she, if she's put up there to just balance it out or she just, or they, they're using her or she said, no, I'm going to, this is the speech I want to say. I, you know, it kind of, it kind of got me off. But at the same time, I saw the difference of compassion and empathy versus all this hate and, and fear being spewed. And I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how women are responding, you know, that we respond in different ways. Well, listen, we're coming to the end of this. I swear we could just talk all day about it. 
Why don't you just talk just a little bit as we as we conclude? We had about three minutes left here. How do you think? What are some ideas you can give women to? to how do you change the, the dynamic of it? I mean, you know, here we are aware of this powerful woman speaking out, but what about the woman, the everyday woman, who's confronting that at her boss and her in her place of business? All these different things, you know, waitresses. I mean, there's so much. There's so many things that go on for women. What are some of your suggestions on how do you how do you overcome this dynamic that's happening? Well, one of the things AOC is showing us is don't shut up and take it. <laughs> right. Stand up, talk back, let people know. It's just like if somebody starts feeling you up on the bus, you don't just stand there. You scream, stop it, stop touching me, and everyone looks around. Sounds like the, the subways in New York, I remember. Yes, indeed, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. but not everyone has subways, so I use the bus. <laughs> um, and in India, where women... Young women saw a man trying to molest a woman. They surrounded him and started smashing him with their pocketbooks and screaming. The main thing is not to accept this as just that's the way it is, but to call it out as the crime and debasement that it is, the way she did. She didn't just absorb it, although the thing that took her over the edge was his, quote, apology that he's married and has two daughters and that somehow makes him decent which we know all too well doesn't so call it out wherever you can women at Fox three women are now suing Fox because of Ed Henry's violent rape of one of them and molestation and sexual pursuit of several others which were ignored so they went to the newspaper and they went to lawyers it's don't just take it. Call it out as the crime that it is. Well, that's the best. That's the best advice I could think of. I can't have said it any better. Well, Harry, we're coming to the end of the show, and you have any last words? Any 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 inspiration for us? And also, our website, how they can get a hold of you, or how they can watch all the wonderful programs and podcasts that you're doing. Well, one of them, Capitalism Hits Home, is on YouTube and also at Democracy at Work. One of them, it's all in your head. No, it's not just in your head. Sorry, we just changed the title. It's not just in your head, which is about therapists making everything seem like it's just in your head when, of course, you're evicted. It's not just in your head. Uh, But there are problems in the real world. And also they could go to my website, harrietfraud.com, and get a hold of anything I've said or they could email me they could send you you know a request for my email or I can just tell it to you hrod at gmail.com and I will try to interact with them no no hate mail but otherwise they're welcome to contact me because we're all in this together all of us and we women have particular reasons to stick together well, Dr. Harriet Fraud, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a wonderful guest again and for giving us a taste of your wisdom. I mean, I just really appreciate it. And I want to wish you much success and look forward to our other conversations. And thank you for thank you for being part of this. Uh, it's a little bit of an experiment for me, and I think I think we passed it. What do you think? I think so, and I think this is so important. 
Well, thank you so much, Harriet. You're just an angel to me. Well, that's it for our show. I want to say special thank you to Dr. Harriet Fraud. She's a psychotherapist and hypnotherapist in, pri- in private practice in New York. She's a founding member of the feminist movement and the journal Rethinking Marxism. For 40 years, she's been radical, committed to transforming U.S. personal and political life. I encourage my listeners to listen to AOC speech, which can be found on Facebook. And, of course, all links, everything we talked about, all the websites, everything that we've given you know will be on Women's Spaces, which is www.womenspaces.com. And if you would like to email me, if you have any ideas for special guests, or you'd like to be a guest yourself, if you have a topic, or maybe uh, someone has a birthday or an anniversary, you can email me at E-L-A-I-N-E at womenspaces.com that's Elaine at womenspaces.com and remember support your local community radio stations this is where you're getting a lot of good news a lot of good information and a reminder tell your friends that women's spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m on monday tonight <laughs> tonight i'm so excited i get to listen to my own program also i'm available for speaking engagements and i want to remind everybody remind everybody our children are the future we must never lose sight of that This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 31st, 2020.